Psalm 28 of David. To you, O Lord, I call. My rock, be not deaf to me, lest if you be silent to me, I become like those who go down to the pit. Hear the voice of my pleas for mercy when I cry to you for help, when I lift up my hands toward your most holy sanctuary. Do not drag me off with the wicked, with the workers of evil who speak peace with their neighbors while evil is in their hearts. Give to them according to their work and according to the evil of their deeds. Give to them according to the work of their hands. Render them their due reward because they do not regard the works of the Lord or the work of his hands. He will tear them down and build them up no more. Blessed be the Lord, for he has heard the voice of my pleas for mercy. The Lord is my strength and my shield. In him my heart trusts and I am helped. My heart exults and with my song I give thanks to him. The Lord is the strength of his people. He is the saving refuge of his anointed. O oh, save your people and bless your heritage. Be their shepherd and carry them forevermore. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. You may be seated, please. Are you outraged? Not long ago, Slate Magazine published an 11 essay report on how outraged we are as a people. They put up a graphic for every day of the year. They put a topic over which we are outraged. Outrage is the subjective experience of being furious at something or someone that has crossed a perceived line. The second part of the word outrage, rage, comes from the same Latin root that the word rabies comes from. It means to be in fury or to be mad. Are you outraged? An outrageous act is an act that goes outside the bounds of what is permitted. It is being furious at a line being crossed. Are you outraged? Not long ago in Utah, there were 32 students at a local public school whose lunch meal plan was incredibly in debt, according to the administrators of the school. And so they came up with a plan. I know what we'll do. We will walk up to these 32 students. We will splice them off from their friends, and we will set them at a table. And we will, in order to remind them that their meal plan is in debt, pick up their lunch, walk to the trash, and throw it away. The community was outraged. In India, a young teenage woman was brutally abused by five men. And she could not get the legal help that she needed because you see, she was what they call a nobody, an outcast. She was part of the lowest caste system in India. And she could not get the legal help, nor did she have the money that she needed to defend herself in court. And so she went to work and she saved up all of her money to hire legal counsel. And she moved from her city to start a new life, free from the horrors of this tragedy. And earlier this week, 
She walks out of a store, and who does she see? But these same five men who had followed her to this new town, waiting for her outside the store. And she screamed for help. But she was a nobody, and the police didn't care. And they reenacted the exact same crime to her again. The nation of India is outraged. Are you outraged? At 4 p.m., it's hot in Cincinnati. Little four-year-old boy sees a pool and thinks it looks cool and refreshing amidst the heat. And so, after a little argument with his mother, decides to cross the fence and go down a 12-foot ravine and splashes into the water. And then Harambe, a 17-year-old silverback gorilla, comes out of the cave to see what all the commotion is about. And he finds this little boy, and he corners this little boy, not knowing what to do, and he, for 10 minutes, drags this little boy through the water of the Cincinnati Zoo. And people are screaming, and the officials at the zoo don't have any choice but to shoot this gorilla. And animal rights activists are outraged. Are you outraged? Eric Garner, Michael Brown, Tamir Rice, Walter Scott, Freddie Gray, Alton Sterling, Philando Castile, killed by police officers, which begins a national conversation about safety for us. And some, in response to that conversation, decide to use violence against violence. So Baton Rouge, Dallas, Kansas City, police officers were targeted and shot. There's outrage on all sides. Are you outraged? Political parties we once held dear are shaping up this year, aren't they, to be very different than normal. And beneath all the conversation about policies, and positions, and personalities, and leadership in the direction of our country, our veins popping red in the face, angry people. We the people are outraged. Are you outraged? What peaceful hours I once enjoyed, oh sweet, their memory still. But they have left an aching void the world would never fill, William Cooper once wrote. What outrages you? In Psalm 28, David is outraged that the wicked are getting off, going scot-free. And in his fury, David teaches us four things about outrage. Take out your sermon outline, if you will. If you like to take notes, here we go. Number one, four things about outrage. First, outrage for a Christian is normal. It's normal. But here's the problem. We are not outraged enough. John Brueggemann is a sociologist from Skidmore College who wrote a book several years ago called Rich, Free, and Miserable, and he writes this, Americans rush to work, gliding past stop signs, talking and texting on the phone, incrementally compromising public safety because our busy schedules feel more important. 
And once we get there, we stay longer and longer while simultaneously regretting the neglect of our loved ones. And as a result, many of us have no network of social support, a trend that has worsened significantly over the past two decades. And despite this commitment to hard work and all the resources it yields, the highest GDP in the world, gross domestic product, most Americans report not being able to afford what they need. Widespread dietary choices now known and recognized to be unhealthy contribute to substantial psychological ailments. And our consumption patterns create many problems. The logic of the market that everything is for sale and we should strive to get as much as we can has pushed beyond the economic sphere into other parts of our lives. And the most important consequence is a deteriorating capacity for meaningful relationships. In other words, what he is saying is, listen, we just want our national public radio. We just want our lattes. We just want good kids. We just don't want to be bothered. We just want what we want. And if Christianity helps us get there, well, that's, we'll say a prayer every night at dinner. Like, We'll tag a thank you Jesus onto the end of it. But the truth of the matter is, maybe we're not outraged enough. This week, my neighborhood got outraged. We got outraged because next to our neighborhood, they're about to build 380 homes in the field next to us. It's a quarter section. And we got outraged because they were going to use our through street, our idyllic, nice, dead-end street, as a cut-through for this neighborhood. And so, about 10 of us or so who live in the neighborhood went to the Planning Commission meeting at City Hall. And some of us spoke to the Planning Commission. And the city heard our concerns and our requests. And they decided to create an alternate plan for the subdivision, which would help the autonomy of the neighborhood in which we live, but also help that neighborhood flourish. It was a great win-win. And after this whole thing passed and everything resolved itself, I was deeply convicted. Because you know what? I've never been to a planning commission when it didn't involve my own personal interests. I've never gone to city council and spoke up for the woman who's getting kicked out of her house because she does not know how the system works. I've never gone to the planning commission meeting for my city to care for the poor and the destitute in Owasso. And they are here, though we think they're invisible. I'm not outraged enough. Trinity, what outrages you? Because to be a Christian... David says, it is normal to be outraged. The first thing you are to be outraged about, verse 1, is your own hypocrisy and mine. David says in verse 1, To you, O Lord, I call, be not deaf to me, lest if you become silent to me, I become like those who go down to the pit. In Hebrew, the word pit is the place where they would put the worst offenders. If you do not hear me, I am no different. I am no different than anyone else, and I deserve only to be put with the worst offenders. Verse 3, David says, Do not drag me off with the wicked, with the workers of evil, who speak peace with their neighbors while evil is in their hearts. So David says, I'm outraged. 
but I'm outraged because of the, my own hypocrisy. Christians, you ought to be outraged first about your hypocrisy. Are you outraged? If you become silent to me, I will go down to the pit. Hear the voice of my pleas for mercy. I have nowhere else to turn. I am helpless. And it drives David into action. In Isaiah 14, God says to the arrogant king of Babylon, who says that he bows up to the Lord and says, I will reach up to the heavens and make my name great. And through Isaiah, the Lord says, but I tell you, if you bow up to me in your, your conceit, I will send you down like a falling star to the pit. And people will ponder over you in prison. Are you outraged? Be outraged over your sin and your hypocrisy. The second thing you got to be outraged about is injustice. Look at verse 4. David is upset that people are getting away scot-free. They're committing evil against others who are suffering, and they are not held accountable. The scales of justice are weighted. One commentator says, nothing stings so sharply in our world as injustice, and nothing should. These verses are not simply vindictive, but they put into words the protest of any healthy conscience at the wrong of the present order and the conviction that a day of judgment is a moral necessity. It is in this sense that God's elect cry to him day and night. How long, O Lord? You know, we as Christians have an amazing worldview that allows us to look in the face of injustice and with peace in our heart and a clear conscience, clear conscience, not fight violence with violence, but be able to say one day, someday, this violence will end. And it will end because we believe that Jesus Christ is coming back to make all things new. But until then, he has put us in the world not to just sit idly by, but to be outraged at the injustices of our world. And through your vocation, your calling, and mine, to creatively find ways to push back the darkness of the world. Are you outraged? Be outraged about your own hypocrisy. Be outraged about the injustice of the world. The first thing David teaches us about being outraged is that it's normal. And you ought to be outraged at your sin. And you ought to be outraged at the injustices of the world. Are you? The second thing David teaches us about being outraged is that outrage as a Christian leads us to ever deeper prayer. Psalm 28 is a prayer of petition. A petition is a request for someone to do something. If you want something done in the city of Owasso, you can pass a petition around and have people sign it who are citizens here and take it to City Hall and they will respond to the petition. But as Christians, we do not need petitions to go to the Lord. We have direct access to Him, don't we? You see, if, if, you, if you wanted to walk up to the president and you just wanted to ask him something, you should try this sometime. Just walk up to the president. Just walk up and just, just say, just whisper in his ear something you want. 
you will be tackled and you will be arrested by the secret service. But Sasha and Malia can walk up to him anytime they want and whisper in his ear. Kate Middleton, if she wants to get the queen's attention in England, you and I will never have that access. But oh, she can just walk up because she's part of the royal family and she can ask the queen anything that she wants. Baron Trump has no problem walking up to his father anytime he wants to, to ask his father a question. When my children need something, they don't have to come to me and so say, Oh, ye father who doth provide for me and provide every good and perfect gift, who gives me cereal in the morning and who gives me a small allowance, would you give me this day my screen time? They can just walk up to me and say, Daddy. Friends, you have access to the one who made the world, who crafted and hewn every rock on every cliff in the world. You have that kind of access to him. And your outrage ought to draw you into ever deeper prayer. How are you doing in your prayer life? Not just when you're outraged, just because you can. On the reflection we see this morning, there's a quote there from Henry Nouwen. And the quote speaks about the power of having somebody just sit with you. And this last week in community group, after the sermon last week, which was on mental illness and depression, our community group had lots of great conversation. One by one, we kind of went around and talked about our own struggles with depression. And people who had severely struggled with it offered up the things that were most helpful to them. And almost to a person, the advice was, what was most tremendously helpful to me was just somebody to be there with me. Just somebody to sit there and to say, I am with you. And your Savior, friends, is doing that right now. He knows what you're going through. And in this tension of like outrage and masking it with like morality and outrage and trying to tamp it down, your Savior is with you. A friend of mine, I heard the story this week of, of, um, of a boy who when he was about nine or 10 years old suffered incredibly from social anxiety. It was very hard for him to make friends. He had a very, very hard time at school. And one particular day at school, he got in trouble. They were teasing him about his social anxiety and he felt shame and he got in trouble and he goes home and he goes, he's so upset, he goes home and he runs upstairs to his room and he shuts the door and he locks the door. And his dad comes home from work a little later and of course his mom is, you know, telling him, you know, what's going on. And so his father walks upstairs and, um, and he sits next to his son and he picks his son up. You know, his father's bigger than this nine or 10 year old boy. And he puts his son in his lap and his son is just rigid, angry. And um, he holds his son and um, they talk for a little bit. And then this is what he does. He gets a newspaper and he rolls it up and he hands it to his son and he says, I want you to beat me with this paper. I want you to hit me with this newspaper. 
And he says, no, Dad, no. He says, yes. I gave you permission to hit me as hard as you can. And so this little boy takes this newspaper out of his dad's hand, and, and he hits his dad, and he kind of stands back to, to make sure it's okay, as you can imagine. And it was okay. And so he hits him again and again across the face, across the chest, on the head. And he hits him again and again, and all of a sudden this little boy just goes berserk. And he just starts wailing on his father. And he hits him again and again and again. And when he has hit him so long that he just falls down exhausted. And the father reaches over to the little boy. And the little boy just runs over to his father and puts his head in his chest and just sobs. And this little boy, who now is a pastor, is telling the story said, that was the day that my social anxiety changed forever. Because my father knew me. And he loved me. Friends, Jesus gives you a rolled up newspaper. And he gives you the Psalms. And he says, I want you to hit me as hard as you can. David prays very piercing prayers in his psalm. Sometimes David says, God, would you just leave me alone so I can have peace and be happy for a day? That's a bold prayer. And Jesus wants you to take your outrage, and he wants you to take it to him. And he wants you to exhaust yourself so that he can then allow you to weep into his arms. Your Savior loves you. And David shows us in Psalm 28, the first thing about outrage is that it is normal for a Christian to be outraged. And secondly, that your outrage leads you to an ever-deepening prayer life. But that's not all. It leads you also, your outrage leads you to an ever-third, an ever-deeper confidence that your Father knows you and that He loves you that he accepts you just the way you are. Look what David says. David says in verse 6, he is persistent, he is direct. To you I call, do not turn a deaf ear. Hear my cry. Be blessed, O Lord, for he has heard the voice of the, my pleas for mercy. The Lord is my strength and my shield. In him my heart trusts. I am helped. My heart exalts. And with my song, I give thanks to him. David has an ever-deeper confidence in what the Lord is, his rock for him. When he takes his outrage to him, look, what, look at the way David comes to the Lord in verse 2. It says, when I lift up my hands toward your most holy sanctuary. The most holy sanctuary is the holy of holies in the temple. It's a place that only the high priest in Leviticus 16 could go and only once a year with a rope tied to his ankle lest something happen to him and they have to drag him out. And you have access to the holy of holies every moment of your life through the indwelling presence of the Holy Spirit if you're a Christian. And if you're not, you are yearning to have that kind of access. And friends, today is the day where your yearning can end if you believe in the gospel. 
that Christ, your Lord, has taken the outrage of the world, not only your outrage, but the outrage of all sin upon himself. And he has borne it on the cross so that he could free you of your sin and give you his righteousness to cover you so that in the presence of your Father, you would be seen as spotless like Jesus and righteous just as Jesus is righteous. Look in verse 2 where it says, David says, I come and I lift up my hands towards your holy sanctuary. David comes empty-handed, as it were. That's confidence to come to the Lord empty-handed. To be empty-handed means to be empty of all power. You have nothing in my hands I bring, simply to the cross I cling. We just sang it in Rock of Ages. When you pray to your father, you can come empty-handed. You have no power of your own. Abraham Lincoln once said that you want to see what a man's character is really made of? See what happens when you give him power. And we have a power that just shows us our utter helplessness. Because it is human to ask God for something. And you will either ask God for help or you will ask him for trouble. You will ask him, and you are asking him right now. Either your disposition can be, God, help me. I am a broken sinner in need of grace. Or in your power or illusion of power, you will say, I don't need your help. I got it. Thank you. Just let me get through this sermon, please, and go home. To be empty-handed means to come empty of power. It also means to come empty of merit. You have no merit of your own. Your hands are empty. David shows us that your outrage will show you that it is normal to be outraged. And your outrage should lead you into ever-deepening prayer. It should lead you to an ever-deeper confidence. And it should lead you, lastly, into an ever-deeper hope. We have an ever-deepening hope amidst the outrage that we see around us. And we don't know when things are going to calm down. Lots of promises are flung. We do not know when the chaos of a world is going to settle down, but we do know that it will. And we do know that God's promises are true. They are yes, and they are amen in Jesus. And you have someone who loves you so much that he's with you that he can handle your outrage and amidst your outrage, he wants to drive you into understanding that you're dependent upon him. Did you pray like that? That you have a new kind of confidence to go and help the poor and the widow, to go and help your community group member, to go and extend the love of Christ to other people who are different than you, to dare I say it, to know your neighbors in your neighborhood, not because it will help you have a better life or have a better homeowners association, but just because it is the right and beautiful thing to do to know people who live around you. You want to fight injustice. To change the world starts with changing your neighborhood. In fact, to change the world starts with meeting your neighbors. We have an ever-deepening confidence as Christians, friends. Trinity. So let us have the audacity to not just say, we have our nice church plant. We have our denomination. We have our pastor. We have our dear John Calvin. We have what we need. Repent of our complacency because you may not be outraged enough.
Your outrage should drive you into ever-deepening prayer, ever-deepening confidence, ever-deepening hope. Because Paul says that we died with him. And when Paul says that we died with Jesus, that when we believe in Jesus, we are united with Christ. And he treats us as if we had already been executed, if we had already paid our debt because we died with Christ. Our debt was paid absolutely. Every penny we owe for our wickedness was placed on Christ. And now we can say there is therefore now no condemnation for those of us who are in Christ Jesus. Like, is this truth? Like, is it landing on you? Like, let it come from your head to your heart and be outraged. Jesus Christ, when he outstretched his hands, was empty-handed before the world, unclothed, perceived to be a broken sinner, though he never sinned once. And he took the right hot wrath and fury of the Jews and of every man in that crowd, including you, including me, and he bore the outrage on himself. Friends, in the midst of our present climate, what are you to do with your outrage? You are to let it drive you into prayer. Because as you see in verse 9 at the very end of the text, the hope we have is that the Lord will save his people and he will bless his heritage. In Hebrew, the word can also be translated his inheritance. Which means that do you know who the Lord's inheritance is according to this passage? You and me. And that the Lord treasures you. You're Jesus' inheritance. He loves you. And it says in verse 9 that he is the shepherd will come and carry you. Like a father with a crumpled up newspaper holds you as you weep. Oh, Jesus carries you. Are you outraged? Maybe you're not outraged enough. At the cross, our good shepherd carried our sin away forever so that we might run to him in ever-deeping prayer, find in him an ever-deeper confidence, and see him as our ever-deeper hope in his unbelievably outrageous love for you. Let's be outraged together, Trinity. And let it drive us into ever deeper prayer, ever deeper confidence in Jesus' finished work, and ever deeper hope, not cynicism. Hope that the Lord might use you and me through the power of the Holy Spirit to help push back darkness for the sake of a watching world who desperately needs to see a glimmer of hope. Can we do that together? You tell me, are you outraged? Let's pray. Father, we, we pray that you help us as your people to be outraged about all the right things, about our hypocrisy, about our indifference. Help us to be outraged about injustice, not just around the world, but injustice in Owasso, in Bartlesville, in Collinsville, in Tulsa. Father, would you call us out of the stupor of our complacency and help us to see our need for repentance. And this morning as we take the supper, 
to run to the table in celebration that you hold us and that you sing over us your love and that you know us. In your outrageous love, Father, help us to make outrageous requests. We pray these things in Jesus' name, amen.